Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman. I am mom to Skylar, who is an incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast four years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life, underscore Lori Hellman, and let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, could I ask a favor that you please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season four of Living the Sky Life. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Christine DeGregorio. She is a mom to two wonderful boys, Gianni, who is one and a half, and Abrin, who is 13. Abrin, who is also on the autism spectrum, came into her life when he was eight months old, when she met her now husband, and she feels so blessed that he did. He first made Christine a mom and has helped her grow in so many ways. Abrin reminds her every day to enjoy the simple things in life. She's absolutely in love with being a mom to two amazing boys. In her free time, Christine loves to shop, cook, exercise. CrossFit is her go-to for self-regulation and staying strong and healthy. And she enjoys bartending at a local sports bar and operating the event bartending business that she owns. So please enjoy my conversation with Christine. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. I have uh, Christine DeGregorio with me today. I'm so excited to talk to you. We've been able to connect um, through social a little bit, but I want to get more into your family and your beautiful kids. So um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Lori. Absolutely. Um, Well, I appreciate you reaching out to me. Um, I had a video posted several weeks back and I lost it. I was crying and I was like all emotional and it was so sweet of you to reach out to me and um, basically tell me that I'm not alone. And um, we just connected on so many things. So I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm really anxious to get to know um, your family and your relationship with your son, Abrin. Um, So um, can you tell us a little bit about Abrin? And then, you know, I know that your family story is a little unique, kind of like mine um, with my husband um, coming into the picture mm-hmm. later in Skylar's life and adopting him. Um, and so how did mm-hmm. beautiful Abrin come into your life and, and autism into your life? Yeah. So definitely one of those not prepared for, right. Cause mm-hmm. you know, can't really, you know, expect stuff to happen in my boyfriend now husband at the time, um, were dating. I think it was about a year, a little over a year. And he had been getting some information through email about, him potentially having a child and he's like you know this is funny <laughs> I don't have a child um ended up you know doing some testing and he had a child with his former um girlfriend and basically I decided to stay even though that was one of my rules with dating to not really get into other families because it's just so stressful sometimes right um and growing up and he was about 17 18 months old he unfortunately started to have seizures um and he was regressing and we were dealing with that. Um, then of course the autism came about two years old, but that was, that was the jump and, and us 
just really getting started into knowing who Ibrin is and learning a ton of stuff. Like I said, I wasn't prepared for it, neither was my husband. Yeah. Um, but it's been such a huge blessing because, you know, he's just, he's just an amazing little guy. He's so, yeah. he's so special. It's kind of nice though, that you guys were able to learn together and get the diagnosis together and all of that. Um, cause yeah. when Josh entered, um, our family, gosh, Skylar was, uh, maybe seven or eight. I- I've lost track of oh, all wow. the years now, but I mean, yeah. so I kind of already had this like single mom, like established therapies and all the things. So I was teaching mm-hmm. him stuff, but I, I feel like maybe I like, I had already had my routine and everything in place. And so he kind of had to mesh into that. And of course, over the years that we've been married and over time, he's kind of developed his own way of doing things, which I had to let sure. go of because I I'm pretty controlling when it comes to my kids and all of those things. And so I didn't want him to help me. I didn't want to need him to help me. So it's nice that you guys sure. had a partnership from the beginning about navigating oh, yeah. all the stuff that comes with it. Right. So, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. So funny. Just kind uh-huh. of a little flip flopped, but I know. know. Same, Did he, does he still have seizures or was that a short lived thing? Unfortunately. Yeah. They've gotten oh. better. Um, he was having probably about a hundred a day when he was young. He was oh having gosh. a lot of seizures. Um, we found CBD, which is, you know, pretty prevalent in stopping, you know, seizure activity, depending on the type. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped him. He had a really long gap about five years where he stopped having seizures, but of course with epilepsy, growth, stress, and, um, hormonal changes can cause a bump again in seizure activity, which we've been consistently dealing with. So they're phasing out a little bit. He doesn't have, he's had two of the larger grandma seizures, um, but the rest of them are very small where you'd have to really know who he is to notice any seizure activity because they're so quick with his eyes. They're just a very little quick like blink and doesn't interrupt what he's doing usually. But again, he can't tell us if it bothers him, you know, which is a sad part. So I don't know um, how much to a degree, but we're managing it best we can so far. Yeah. Have you seen, um, Skylar had seizures from two to four. Um, They weren't convulsive. He would just turn blue and, um, just like, it felt like it was forever, but it was probably like five to 10 seconds where he would just lose him completely, um, completely blue. He just was gone. And then, um, the first time I thought he was choking, but we did several of the sleep studies and the EEGs and all those things. It's really hard to know if it's causing regression or if it caused regression. Um, I mean, his didn't last longer than the two years, but have they been mm-hmm. able to tell you with Abram, like if, if you guys make some significant progress with communication or different things, if the seizures can throw that off at all? Definitely. And his speech therapist and I talk about that a lot because he'll have, you know, peaks and valleys where he does real, real good and he's learning new things and meeting goals. And then he has, you know, a certain duration of time where he's just not hitting anything and he's just not really motivated. Mm-hmm. And of course, that usually coincides with us noticing more seizure activity, um, uh, so yes, and no, and he's had EEGs as well. The sleep study one, um, we actually had put off <laughs> because, uh, unfortunately some, you know, aggressive meltdowns make it hard for him to yeah. do that. So we don't want to, yep. we don't add that in quite yet. So later on, we'd like to see if that brings us any additional data to help mm-hmm. him with that. Um, but right yeah. now, yeah, he's, it does correlate with a little bit of regression with the seizure activity, unfortunately, That's but so he bounces right back them. always. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's tough, but he, he's 
he's so resilient, you know, he just, mm-hmm. he picks right back up when he's, when his brain is ready, he says, okay, this is where I was at before. And I'm going to continue moving up. And it's just, it's a slow, like up and down, but mm-hmm. continues to, you know, continue up. Well, I know that you told me before that you homeschool him, which is a huge undertaking that you've taken on to do. <laughs> Have you always done that? Or did he start in like preschools and in programs when he was little, or have you just always been the person that teaches him everything he needs to know? Yeah, he, um, he was in early intervention when he was younger. Um, and then of course was in APS public school system over here in New Mexico. Um, and then I took him out. We made that decision obviously with COVID because the online learning for him specifically, and a lot of those kids, it just wasn't working. Um, so what we saw was we're going to see, and, and I'm kind of like you, where I'm a little bit more controlling. I'm like, this isn't working. I'm just going to do it myself kind of, <laughs> which is good and bad, but um, he ended up doing really good with homeschooling. And currently we still do that because of his high sensory needs weren't being met really in the classroom. And um, again, with all the COVID guidelines, he just, he couldn't wear a mask. He just, it was just really hard for him. Um, but obviously now we're meeting that, that fork where now he's hard to do social um, you know, social activities with other kids. And then, um, it is hard on me with a baby too now. Um, Mm -hmm. but he's still doing pretty good despite it. I mean, it works for him right now. I would like to get him in more programs and a different type of schooling. Unfortunately out here, we just don't have the best and that's the truth. But, um, of course my opinion, but for him, it's always going to be what's best for him. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you, so what is a typical day for you guys? I mean, obviously, like you said, you have the baby too, um, mm-hmm. who is how old is he, is he one yet? He is. Yeah. He's a, he's almost one and a half now. Okay. He's about 16 months, 17 months. Yeah. So you, you're a little busy. <laughs> so you've got the, the yeah. baby and then, um, do you, do you do different therapy things with him or like, how is it that he learns best? That's my struggle with Skylar. Whenever I try to implement my own kind of, especially during COVID, my own programs and stuff mm-hmm. here. I mean, I am no ABA therapist and, and I, he doesn't want me to do that because he doesn't see me as that. Um, right. He sees me as mom. So I'm trying to figure out the, the ways I can teach him and take him in the community, take him to the store where I'm teaching him things, but he doesn't know that I'm teaching him things. So it, I don't, I don't know what to do with them. So if you have any ideas, what do you guys do? Oh, that sounds like, so our days are varied, of course, because of the baby now. Mm -hmm. Um, And dependent on his mood, when he was having some real roller coaster type emotions, we couldn't really take him out to do stuff because he would have these massively aggressive meltdowns and super, you know, dangerous, really, to be honest. Um, So we would have to gauge it on that. But a typical day involves I've made a visual schedule of at least, you know, five or six things. There's some type of chore. There's his self-care routine in there. Um, and then there's some type of schooling because of me being with the baby, it's limited. So to be honest, he's maybe getting one to two hours of like sit down and actual like academic type work. Um, Mm -hmm. but that works for him because his attention span and his motivation to do that type of stuff runs out about there. So the rest of the day is doing stuff that is like community um, integration where I take them shopping and I'm like, here, Abram, can you grab this, pop this in here, put it in the cart, different tasks that help him feel more independent and like he's helping because everybody likes to feel, you know, like they're doing something helpful and like mm-hmm. they're doing something right. 
Um, so a lot of that is like what you mentioned, just taking him into the store and taking a list and helping him visually pick out what we need. And usually he does great and, and he will start to do that type of task work without me prompting him. So to me, that's, that's something that for him um, works on his goals of being more independent. I don't know that he will be able to be fully independent, um, but to a certain degree, I know that that makes him, you know, feel, feel like he's doing good and just proud of himself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and he's 12, almost 13, right? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Is he, has he always been minimally verbal or is he nonverbal completely? Um, I know we talked about that a little bit briefly, but it mm-hmm. is, does he use a device for communication or what is his strongest method of communication that, that you use with him? Yeah, that's, that's one of the tough ones. He's still pre slash nonverbal. Okay. Um, he was talking right before he was having the seizures. He was doing the normal development of saying mom and dad, and then it just stops completely. Um, so right now uh, he's at a point where he uses his AEC device slightly where he's able to kind of ask for things, but it's very prompted. And I think because he knows that that's what he does in therapy. So mm-hmm. he'll never go and grab his device to talk to us. He uses a lot of modified sign. Um, that seems to be his best method of communication. Um, so he will be able to differentiate, kind of grab us to point to things. He communicates a lot with his eyes, which is hard to explain to people, but I know yeah. a lot of other special needs parents, just they just know. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the child is able to kind of make different expressions and that communicates XYZ to the parent or whoever, you know, is around trying to be communicated to. So Right now, it's that modified sign is probably the best uh, method for him, but we're continuing to learn. We're continuing to try and see if he could eventually type. Um, Mm -hmm. We are going to look into, like I mentioned to you, that rapid prompting method that you do with Skylar, which Mm -hmm. I find is so interesting. And I mentioned it to his therapist. um, And unfortunately, she was saying, you know, I just, I like it. I just don't, there's not enough uh, data, which is hard when the, when the, um, therapists are going off data, but there's physical evidence of, you know, patients and kids and adults having real success with it. So, you know, we're going to continue to try because I I feel like a lot of the meltdowns and the, you know, the frustrations are, of course, because we can't communicate certain things. Um, So uh, just got to keep, I know, just keep plugging away. I think that's (laughs) one of the most out of the 20 years that I've been parenting Skylar on this journey, um, I think one of the most frustrating things for me as a parent, and I think probably a lot of listeners would feel the same way, is exactly what you just said. Like, it's sad to me that each specialty of therapy thinks that their way is the only way that our kids are going to develop, whether it's communication or, I mean, some of them are cut and dry. PT and OT is pretty straightforward. Like, you know, without some of those therapies and some of those, you know, the practices with that, obviously Skylar wouldn't have started walking. He didn't walk till he was three. So we needed all of that stuff. But when it comes to speech, ABA, spelling, all of that, it's so muddied because, um, and I didn't learn this until I read Underestimated, the book I think I told you about. Um, Mm -hmm. And and then I kind of felt found it for myself with Skylar's therapists and it's nothing against them. It's just the ABA and the speech therapists cannot even entertain, um, talking to you about spelling to communicate because they'll lose their license. 
because they do not think that spelling is actually happening. And I mean, I've had BCBAs tell me in the past that essentially it was like a Ouija board with Skylar, that I was moving the board around, even though I have tons and tons of hours of video showing that I am not touching him. He is spelling the words. I'm not telling him what the words are. He's getting them on his Mm -hmm. own, all of that. Um, And it's so frustrating when they tell me like, because of one study, like 20 years ago, where a therapist admitted to typing out for the, um, the, the client, what they thought they wanted yeah. to say. It was one, one incident. There's been years and years of data since then. So it just frustrates me that, Ugh. that most therapists just in general, aren't supportive of parents, like trying lots of things. ABA is mm-hmm. just not for Skylar. We do an abbreviated version of it. Speech yeah. therapy just wasn't for him because he can't, he has apraxia so severely. He can't make any sounds. He can't mimic you. He can't do a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. And spelling is just the method that opened up his communication method for us. So yeah, I just awesome. want people that's to try so things great. and not, not be like turned away or frustrated <laughs> because and it oh, might not know, work yeah. for him, but you never know until you try. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I, that's what I told my husband. I said, you know, she said she wasn't fond of it. She's very open and she's very, you know, for the patient and she loves Abram, but um, there's that like, me saying, you know, I'm just going to do it myself and try it because nobody else will right now. And then mm-hmm. if it by chance works, then I'm going to, you know, drop to my knees because you just have to continue to advocate. And I think a lot of parents are so maybe burnt out or just overwhelmed because it is like special needs parenting is very, it's very different. Right. And it's so, there's just so much stuff that's extra mm-hmm. and you have to advocate 10 times harder, I think, for somebody with special needs, especially ones that can't communicate. You have to kind of, you're constantly guessing for them what they may need and what they might do better in, which Mm -hmm. is very hard to be, you know, like a telepathic reader of what they do and then base that off of what you're guessing they might need. So just really hard, but yeah, that's, it's unfortunate with those, with those departments that they just can't, be willing to try a little bit more. I understand to a degree, but again, <laughs> yeah, if we all work together, I think things would go yeah. faster. That's the other thing too, that I think mm-hmm. is, is just really hard. Like you said, this is a really hard job caregiving for a special needs child. That's not able to communicate. And most kids can't mm-hmm. communicate their feelings and emotions, even if they are verbal. Um, right. it's just having the patience that I wasn't born with. So I have to work yeah. extra hard because the timeline is so long. It might take, yeah. I mean, it has taken Skylar. He's, he'll be 20. Um, he's 20 by the time this is aired and um, oh. he's never uttered a single word ever. And yeah. spelling, we've been doing spelling a little over two years and, you know, we're not to typing yet, but we'll get there, but it just has to be at their time frame, And you just have to continue to not quit. Um, you know, yeah. I try to put limits yeah. when he was young on like, well, we'll try this for two years. And if we're not seeing anything, we'll try something else, but sometimes it might take four for him to show yeah. a difference. So. Right. It's Man, and you do that yourself. That's, that's just based off you that does the, the, um, spelling therapy with him. We started with a, um, spelling to communicate therapist and, um, we were with her the entire time. She, she lives in Tennessee. So she came up for mm. the weekend. She trained my husband and I, and then we always did our zoom calls. Um, twice a week with her for 30 minutes, she would read the, the, um, the story or the, the, the reading that we were going to do. And then she would ask him the mm-hmm. questions and I just held the board. I was just like 
the communication partner body for him to like hold yeah. the board in front of him and let him fell. Um, but then she had a baby late last year. So she was on maternity leave for a while. So I'm like, all right, buddy, <laughs> it's just you and me <laughs> for a while. And we actually did well. And she came to town to visit actually. Um, after us, she acquired several Louisville um, clients, um, which I was mm-hmm. grateful to bring her to town and everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> latched onto that. But um, yeah. <laughs> she came to see all of them in person and Skylar and several of the other kids, but specifically Skylar did not do well with her. Um, he, and then during the second session, I think she's like, mom, why don't you go sit with him and, and spell with him? And he was fine. But when she was trying mm-hmm. to hold the board and do it with him, he was kind of smacking the board. Like, I don't want to do this, Yeah, which was so weird. Cause I thought she knows what she's doing. He's going to be like, thank God. My mom is like, <laughs> like muddling <laughs> through this whole thing, but he didn't want to spell with her. He, he chose me, which made me feel good, I guess. You know, that he yeah. That's wanted to spell with me. But yeah, yeah, so we pretty much do it on our own now. Um, every other day I, you know, limit him to like five words so after school. So yeah. he doesn't burn out, but he's doing right. well. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I think once you learn it, you'll, you'll be fine. And you'll know right away if Abram wants you to be his communication partner or not. Yeah. <laughs> they tell you pretty clearly. A lot of parents oh, get man. smacked or whatever. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I'd get a pinch or pinch or two somewhere. Yeah. Well, um, that was something else I want to, if you feel like talking about is just the aggression part. Um, I think a lot of the frustration that, um, comes from non, um, speaking young people is that, you know, just the, the frustration, like you said before of not being able to explain what it is that you want, even what you want to eat. If I give him something and he's just like, Mm -hmm. I don't like this. I don't want this. He smacks me a lot. And and again, like you said, with his eyes and his, his mannerisms, I can tell when he's hitting me because he's really mad at me about something or he's really angry. Or if he's like smacking me, just kind of like, it's a tick, like he just, like, it's a stem for him and he just can't stop right. doing it. Does mm-hmm. Abram hit or does he fight or what, like, what is his, his frustration behavior? I guess. What is- yeah. So so it's, it's changed a little bit. Um, it started with him. Unfortunately, we, we would need to hold him down because he would start mm-hmm. to bang on his head. Mm-hmm. Um, he would try and bite us. It was kind of a slew of everything aggressive, which meant self-harming him and trying to harm us. He's got a lot of scars on our hands from him just, you know, digging into us. And he's just like you said, we can tell with his eyes, he'll do the same noises or faces when he's pinching us to be funny, to try and like wrestle or play, but he'll also do the same face, but that tone will change. And we know it's just completely different. So um, a lot of, a lot of that aggression from him looks like that. So uh, lately he's gotten better with less self-harm. Um, so I think he's learned that it, it hurts. He's, you know, given himself black eyes and oh. it's just awful. Um, so he'll, he'll revert to, instead of slapping his head, he slaps his hands like a clap really, really loud. He does it pretty hard, which I don't think <laughs> continuing on will be as good as hitting his head, but you know, there's not a brain in his hands. So there's, that's the thing that we think about um, with damage wise. Uh, but he, the more and more he, I think, is able to realize how to regulate himself and to mm-hmm. regulate his patience level um, that he he does know 
so much communication with the AEC and his modified sign, especially that he can really communicate to us where we can help. And it might take five or more questions to kind of really specify what he wants, but he's able to kind of really calm down and that's come with time. And I think over time um, it will get better. There's a couple of pages that I found through social media, of course, because it's, there's so much, you know, there's so much stuff on there that I've learned um, from autism. Um, But it's an older gentleman who um, he has autism and I think it's ADHD um, and Tourette's, but he was mentioning when he was younger, he had aggressive meltdowns and he can, you know, he can speak and he explained how they felt when he had more of them. And a lot of it was around hormonal changes when he was frustrated about specific specifics with a certain thing, like, like you said, like a specific food he wanted or a specific activity he wanted to do. And it would, his were exactly the same mirrored as Abram's were very like self-harming, very uh, harming outwards to whoever's trying to keep them safe. Um, so that's, that's what it looks like currently and what it did look like currently for, or, or in the past for a bit. Um, but again, it's slowly getting better and we're hoping for the long run, they just dissipate, which we've heard a lot about for um, kids that go through adolescence. And then once their adolescence kind of chills out, their hormones and their aggression chills out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping for that and just continuing to try and help him really just manage his emotions as best he can. Yeah. Have you, has he started going through puberty? Can you tell yet? Or is he in the midst of it now? Oh yeah. 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 He's got, he's got the stinky armpits. He's got the <laughs> mustache. <laughs> the outward signs are there. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So I think, and you know, we can, we try to we obviously try to not compare, but we talked to, you know, my friend with other kids who have boys that are 12, 13, 14. And in that same age range is when they really have started, even my friends with their neurotypical kids, they are just having these outbursts of yeah. rage and just just being mean. So that's what I, that makes me feel a little bit better that I know that because of his um, non-communication right now with verbalizing, I think that's the same, that's probably the same, you know, concept to his meltdowns in a way. So it yeah. makes it a little better to know that it's kind of normal, you know, in mm-hmm. his time frame, age range. Yeah. I mean, but, I, it's, it's just like anything. I think it's just heightened for our kids because they you know, if someone else can like rage against their parent and just, you know, yell at them for something dumb when they're going through puberty, but our kids have to internalize all of it and they yeah. can't, you know, their hormones are telling them they're frustrated and then they're frustrated because they can't just lash out and explain. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's really hard. You know, the, the only, I find kind of comical part about Skylar going through puberty way back when was we, I mean, we knew the outward signs that he was going through it, but it wasn't mm-hmm. until he was laughing. My husband was wrestling with him. He loves the deep pressure of being wrestled with yeah. him. He let out a big laugh and it was so deep. And I'm like, because <laughs> I've never heard his voice. So I have all these videos of him as a little, little guy, just giggling and the, the high pitched little kid giggle. And uh-huh. then he bust out this man, you know, deep man <laughs> belly laugh. I'm like, oh my God. He's a little man. His voice changed, but I never got to hear it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's another thing we noticed in the last couple weeks. I forgot about his voice. Yeah. When he laughs, same thing. Or when he yells, if he like stubs his toe, he just lets out this belly yelp. And it's just, it's like deep. And you kind of are unexpecting it because it's just so, 
it's just so different from yeah. what you're, I guess, used to, at least us. Yeah. Yeah. So. We never got to hear the cracks. <laughs> we never got to hear any of the nope. like right nope, of passage of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but he was pretty good. I mean, you know, everybody's different. It's just like us. Right. Some people manage yeah. going through puberty differently and he wasn't bad mm-hmm. at all. It, I didn't really notice that many differences um, from that. So, um, yeah. so with you being um, a mama to two and um, homeschooling and doing all of the things, do you and your husband have a, a method where you um, kind of separate tasks and things? If you're doing the homeschooling and a lot of that stuff, is there something that Abram prefers to do just with your husband, his dad, or um, how do you guys, you know, kind of delegate things so that it's not all on one person? Yeah, so definitely I, like you, do the majority of the therapies where I take him or will do the sit-down schoolwork with him. My husband's just not really comfortable with it. He doesn't feel like he's good at it, which is fine um, most times, you know, and then I'm like, man, I just wish you could do it so I could take a break for a second. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's, you know, it's, it's what it is, and I'm glad that I can be good at it for Abrin. Um, but it is me doing the majority of that. Um, however, Abrin loves to swim. Um, he loves the water. It's completely grossly therapeutic for him. Every time we go swimming, even the baths, he takes multiple baths, <laughs> you know, in a day sometimes. Um, but if I take him swimming, it's very different how he interacts and plays as opposed to when my husband takes him. Like, like your son, he loves wrestling and loves the deep pressure, but he will only seek that out from my husband. He won't mm-hmm. really do that to me which is fine. You know, he'll come and crawl up in his lap and ask to wrestle, but he never, if rarely will do that with me. So that's something that's a little bit, you know, different and special with, with their bonds. But like you, I'm the majority of the school and the therapy caregiver type position. Yeah. It's hard. I don't know why it's that way. I mean, I, I got a lot of comments when I made that video um, from parents saying that their neurotypical <clears throat> children, their sons kind of have that bond. And it's also one lady referenced, um, and I thought this was really, really a cool way of looking at it. It made me feel a little better is she said that even her neurotypical sons, they're looking to their dad to model male behavior. Like how they're supposed to be. It's not even just like tasks, like shaving, like watching, watching your dad shave and teaching you how to do that kind of stuff. It's just Mm -hmm. how to be a man in general. They're watching how how they handle their emotions, how they, you know, what angers them and how they treat their wives and just all of that stuff. And so she's like, you know, just think of it as Skylar is clinging to Josh just because he's just trying to figure out how to be a man in his adult yeah. male body. And he's just trying to learn from him. It's nothing against you. It's just, he, he is, you know, he sees himself more in Josh than he does in you, obviously. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll buy that for a little while. <laughs> so we find yeah, our that's, thing. That's, that's a good point. That makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Definitely makes us feel better for sure. But yeah. Yeah, we, we all have our roles, I think. And that's just like you said, always, even with the neurotypical kids and their families, it's, they're always, I think, clinging to one. I think that might be where that joke comes from about the favorite child or the favorite parent, because they have a different bond. Um, and it doesn't mean they're, you know, higher than anybody else in the family, but mm-hmm. it's just different bonds that, you know, family members can, I guess, create. And um, that's, it's just, it's just different. 
Does Abram have a um a special bond or even an acknowledgement of his brother, of his little brother, or does he shy away from him? What what is their relationship like? Um, at first, obviously, because he was an only child for so long, despite um, his biological mom, she had, oh gosh, she had six kids. Um, and oh, I, we don't know how the uh, dynamic was when he was with her, when it was split up, you know, for the time frame for the um, custody. But when Gianni, my baby, was born, he definitely had a hard time. You know, the crying was, was hard for him. He yeah. was sensitive with, the heat, with noises. Um, and he didn't really want anything to do with him, to be honest. But now the more we're integrating him and the more um, playful the baby is and able to be and kind of rough around, Abram's still very timid, but he's, you know, giving him kisses and he knows to be gentle with him for the most part, which we didn't teach him. I think he just knows that this little person <laughs> is just very fragile. So I think growing up, they're going to develop a really special bond. Gianni's already starting to bring Abram his headphones when Aww. he's, you know, near. It's just, I think they're going to have a really special bond. So I'm excited to see them continue to be closer and do more things together because I think it's going to be a really, really special relationship. Yeah. And I feel like if nothing else that our other kids um, that grow up with siblings on the spectrum, they just learn a different value in life. They just learn empathy just by seeing it. And, um, I just think that they're extra special people. I mean, I used to get Mm -hmm. worried my kids are only two years apart, but I did worry, um, about Skylar and Kendall being alone, like together. Like I wouldn't let them play out of my eyesight just because Skylar didn't know that she was smaller and delicate and like, you know, he would go after her Mm -hmm. hair and stuff like that. And, um, yeah. I think that's impacted their relationship even now as adults, because she still kind of winces when he comes by. Cause he just pulled her hair so much growing up. Yeah. yeah. And that, that pains me, but, um, you know, you just can only be, especially when you're a single parent, you can only be around so much to handle so many of the things between them. But, right. um, I just wondered if with his aggression, if he would ever even come close to the baby, at, you know, and just not know how to be an be appropriate around him. So that's good if he's not right. like that. Yeah, no, he's never been. So I, I don't want to say so far, but as of now, he hasn't. And when he starts to get upset and it seems like he might be leaning towards having a meltdown where he's got the clapping going, Gianni will walk towards him and we'll be sitting right there, obviously watching and maintaining that safe distance just in case Abram decides to latch and and pinch or something. Um, but he kind of calms down if Gianni approaches and it's 50% of the time, the other 50%, he will continue crying. We have to separate them because then obviously Gianni's cries will make him worse. But, um, it's a very interesting thing when Gianni will come and try and it seems like just make sure he's okay. And I think Abram knows that. I think he looks at him and they, maybe they can communicate with their, you know, Uh facial expressions, just like I mentioned before. And, sometimes it'll calm him down and sometimes he just stops. So it's, it's just very, very, very interesting to watch. Well, with that age gap too, it'll be neat to see maybe Gianni will teach Abram some like words or like, I mean, he may model after his little brother and he's watching him, um, you know, toilet train and just do all the things. I don't know. Maybe he'll be helpful to you in that way. Um, yeah, I think so. We, my husband and I talked about that a lot just because 
he doesn't really have anybody else or prior. We don't have any pets. We didn't have any, you know, other siblings, but mm-hmm. of course, when, um, even when the mom was in the picture, but um, I think they're going to be able to teach each other a lot. Gianni's already watching Abram go to the potty and <laughs> getting interested in that. And I think mm-hmm. vice versa, Abram will, you know, watch him start to talk and that's potentially, you know, maybe something that'll help Abram. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? There's a, there's a reason for everything. And I, I you know, yep. sometimes you feel like that, that baby came at just the right time. And, um, you know, it's a great, it's a great thing to have a sibling. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's for later in life too. I th- yeah. And, um, I thought that, um, I have PCOS and I thought that I couldn't have babies. I never yeah. had any, I, you know, I thought I had fertility issues for the longest time. And that's why I was like, Abram is such a blessing because I get to be a mom, um, when I can't have kids. And then all of a sudden Gianni comes, you know, when Abram's 12 years old or 11 years old, and it might've just been at the right time. And I think, um, you know, sometimes that stuff happens for a huge reason. So yeah. that's my thoughts. <laughs> Definitely I agree with, with our situation. <laughs> I'm a huge believer in that. Um, now, where are you guys? What state are you in? We're in New Mexico. Oh, that's right. You did tell me that. Um, mm-hmm. So what are just the overall benefits like there as far as waivers and, um, you know, just resources for people on the spectrum at any age? Do you know if it's pretty significant or if it's just kind of lacking in areas like everywhere else in the country? Yeah, like I said at the beginning, unfortunately, the school system, the public school system is awful. It's just atrocious. Um, I'm never going to send them back to school here. That's that's already decided between my husband and I. Um, the ABA situation, we've tried to do that just to see if it would work. There's been two places that we get in and it never, it never follows through because either the therapist quit when we get approved or the insurance, it's just always like a mess. So each, each type of, of extracurricular seems to be 10 times harder to get through to. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have, you know, an autism um, group that does autism New Mexico um, society and they have different things like they'll do a movie and it'll be like a sensory friendly movie. Um, it's just a shame because all of it's very out of the way. Like we're in Albuquerque and a lot of that stuff is in Las Cruces, which is about 45 minutes away. They have a uh, hypotherapy place, however, that we're looking into. Um, it's like a six week program where they yeah. do a lot of um, equine therapy and it's actually um, done with other people on the spectrum teaching it. So that's interesting, but oh, that's again, neat. it's about an, it's about an hour away. So it's a little tough schedule wise to have that. So there is things available and there are things available. Um, it's just a little bit tougher. And then the waiver situation, um, we just actually got uh, approved. They had a little law change where they decided to let people who were on this waiver that, as you know, it takes 10 plus years to even get benefits from it um, or they don't see anything until they're 18, which doesn't make any sense, right? doesn't make sense to me, but um, they did create a law where we can start to receive some of the DD waiver benefits. So that includes um, stipends for, you know, different therapies, um, respite services, um, all that stuff that we're getting currently. We just get additional help fund-wise to do that, which is nice. Um, and let's see, what else? Other than that, like I mentioned, it's very, it's very just all over the place. It's very unorganized. So that's, again, where the do-it-myself comes in unfortunately, to try and, you know, make sure he gets what he needs and just 
try our best. But mm-hmm. I think I mentioned to you as well, we're planning to move for that specific reason just yep. for his his education because it's just there's nothing there's nothing here that's supportive, you know. Yeah, and that's the hardest part is, um, you know, I told you, I think you and I are going to be neighbors because I think we both are going yeah. to Colorado. <laughs> One, because my husband yeah. and I love it there. And um, they, they mm-hmm. as far as the adult stuff, because we're at the adult side of things now, I mean, the resources mm-hmm. are sparse all over the country, but I have yeah. found some places that I've talked to and they are willing to like have us come out there and like spend a day with Skylar to see if the day program is a good fit and different things like that. So, but you know, as I've done this podcast for four years and most recently in this last year, I've talked to so many parents who actually have placement for their kids in group homes or residential living and they're thriving and they're doing so great. And so I'm really, really thinking more about that now um, of trying to find, you know, places. It's just, do you have to start over? Because a lot of places, if, if you and I were to uproot and go to Colorado or go anywhere, we would be at mm-hmm. the bottom of all the lists again. Um, we wouldn't get yeah. any of the waiver benefits yet because we'd be at the bottom of those lists. So it's like damned if we do and damned if we don't. Um, mm-hmm. I just am determined to to find a place for him. And then if it's in, you know, not a place I was planning to move to, we'll go there because our lives yeah. are going to revolve around him at this point. There's just nothing else I can yeah. do. It's and he'll probably be same situation like us for the remainder, right? Yeah. It's, it's not, yeah. not good. It's <laughs> not good at all. Well, you have respite services, but do you have respite providers? Because that's the other no, problem is even no. if you have the money no. to pay them, no. nobody can no. do it. Yeah, yeah we don't, unfortunately. I mean, his yeah. OT, um, I've known her before she started OT and we found out he was assigned her to be the therapist. Um, she, she's really great. She would come to the house, um, you know, a couple of times and do the therapies. But obviously when those meltdowns started, you don't want to have somebody be in a situation where they have to restrain somebody. And Abram is a really, he is so strong. He's a big guy. Um, I don't care really how strong you are. I mean, my husband's 260 pounds and a big dude, and he is sweating when we're trying to help keep him safe. So the rest of the situation, unfortunately, didn't get used a ton. And then now she's pregnant, of course. So um the rest of stuff is just kind of on hold again, unfortunately. So we just do our best to give each other breaks, but that's definitely, it's just hard. Like you, you have the resources, like you said, but then you can't fully utilize them to some degrees, depending on what it is for the little detailed stuff like that. Yeah. It just seems like such a huge waste. Do you guys have family mm-hmm. around, like some family members that could give you a break so you could go out to dinner or something? Yeah, we figured that out. Um, my sister, she actually, uh, she'll come over um, when we put the boys to bed because yeah. they're less stressful. Yeah. So she just has to monitor the video cameras until one of them moves or wakes up. Um, but that's that's been, you know, a help, even if we're able to go for a couple hours in the evening. So, I mean, something is better than nothing. I look at it and um, we'll just continue to figure out and hopefully later down the line, we can get to a situation where we can go to have a little break for a weekend because we haven't had that. And obviously marriage is very hard when you don't get breaks and you're constantly just separated because you're doing everything separate, right? Like Mm -hmm. you gotta, one's gotta go to work and then you switch off to do the rest. And then um, it's just very hard. So we'll just continue to try and figure that out. But like you mentioned, the long-term living facilities, when they have that help, 
um, it makes you feel more comfortable, of course, because they have everything covered. So hopefully when we get to that point, um, we can find some type of additional breaks for everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Avery wants a break from us too. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it just, it, it all has kind of come to like to me in the last year or two um, with him becoming an adult officially and all of that. And, you know, I was the first person to say before, I'm never putting him in a facility or group home or anything like that. Like he is going to stay with me because no one's going to care for him. Like I do, no one's going to love mm -hmm. him, but you know, that's all great to say, but I've, I've wised up. And I just, for me, the reality is tomorrow's not promised. I have no idea if something could happen to my husband and myself. And I actually just blogged about that too, the other day that, mm -hmm. um, you know, his, his case manager asked us, what are you going to do in the case of an emergency, um, for him? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't have family members to call and say, Hey, can I put you down? Or would you be willing to take him? Um, yeah. I, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I guess I'm of the thought now is if I could find a place for him to go to, even if he lives there, you know, three days a week or something, just to give us a little bit of a break, the fact that I'm able to pick it while I'm here on this earth and I'm able to mm -hmm. monitor their care of him and, and he gets acclimated to it and starts to realize that he likes it there and it's a forever home for him. If we'd spent 10 years doing that, then I would be so much at peace if I yeah. leave this world and I know he's okay, you know, that's yeah, kind of where my mind is now. Yeah. It's sad though. The biggest, think that the way. biggest thought. Oh yeah. Well, I think everybody, I'm sure everybody, every special needs parent can say that they think about that, which my husband and I talk about it a lot, probably more than we should, right. You don't want to focus on it, but it's such a huge worry that you just want to make sure everything's put together, which like you said, you, you weren't really sure what to do when they asked what you were going to do if something happened. We're kind of in that same predicament. We have friends that we've casually asked, you know, hey, if something happens to us, could we give you our son basically to take care of for the rest of his life? And are you comfortable with that? And, and we do have some pretty great friends who care a lot about him. So there's that. But it's literally the worst, <laughs> the worst thing when you feel like there's nobody else can, that can take care of them, you know, like mm -hmm. you, which is the truth. It's just so hard. Yeah, it is hard. I mean, you know, some people on the outside of this world and this bubble that we live in are like, well, mm -hmm. they're your kids. You had them like figure it out. I, they're your responsibility. And I'm like, you yeah. know, I just think that's, it's so easy to, for someone to say, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a kid. Like how many of our parents are in the generation that are starting to develop dementia and things like that. And you might have to be a caregiver <laughs> for your parents. It's not possible to just, you know, shirk that off on someone else to do. It's the same thing with our mm -hmm. kids. We're, it's not like we're trying yeah. to like put it off on someone else, but there no. has to be a plan, you know, <laughs> like no one expects yeah. to be a caregiver. They don't, you don't have kids or expect that your parents or your spouse or someone's going to get ill and that you're going to have to care for them. That's not no. the plan. It's all, so. it's always unplanned. It's always yeah. unplanned, but we always choose to make that choice, which is we just do it because there is no choice. You just, you can't not, I don't know very many people who would just not care for somebody, you know, there's, mm -hmm. I don't want to think about the ones that choose to, to do that, but yeah, that's the choice. And, and you just do it. You lit, you just do it. That's all it is. It. You just do. Yep. That's, do you ever find it funny when people are like, I just, I, I couldn't do it. I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do it. I'm like, well, I don't really mm -hmm. think you have a choice. Like, 
I don't think I had a choice and not that I would have chosen something different, but you just do it. You, like you said, you just figure it out. Yeah. From the outside. Yeah. People look and they say, oh, well, that would ruin X, Y, Z for my life. I couldn't do this, this, or that, but you know, it it does change a lot of our lives and what we thought obviously our our life would look like, but that doesn't matter at this point. It totally doesn't matter. So Yep. Yeah. Just do it. That's <laughs> well, one of the things I, I find so awesome about you is that um, regardless of doing all of the things for the kids and as a spouse and in your household and all of that stuff, you make time for yourself and your own mental health. And um, I, I'm really focused on your videos with CrossFit because I did <laughs> CrossFit for like five years and I, I love, yeah. I, I know the love of lifting weights and stuff. It's such a great release. Yeah. I started it when Skylar was growing because I'm like, oh my gosh, he still needs me to lift him up into the bathtub at the time and things like that. And I am, I have a runner body that's like not strong. (laughs) So I'm like, (laughs) I need to build up these muscles. And so I started it, but, um, you know, where did your love of weightlifting come from? And like, do you still get a chance to get out of the house and still do that now that you've had your, your second child and do you get a break <laughs> at all? It's hard. It's so hard. I bet. But, um, I started probably like in 2010. It was right after I graduated high school. I started, you know, lifting weights and I loved it as opposed to cardio type stuff. Like I'm definitely not a runner at all. Um, but I just started to feel better. And it was a very good way for me to regulate without me even knowing at the time that it was regulating my body and my emotions and my stress levels. Mm-hmm. Um right now, obviously with this, with the second baby, um, it's very hard. I still maintain it. I try to at least get some type of movement five days a week. Now there's some days where like yesterday I needed to move, like I physically, my body needs to move to, like I said, regulate and kind of feel okay. Um, and I had to do it while even was in the bath. So I got right down on the floor and I just started to do some stuff. Um, so I make it work, but nine times out of 10, it is late at night after they go to sleep because that's the quiet time that's my mom time I call it right so it's no no interruptions um uh, I do wish I could go to a CrossFit gym a little bit more right now it's about once a week which is fine um because it beats me up every single time well and you get to be out with social Uh, like with other adults and like talk about anything other than autism and, and your kids yeah yes and um it's the type of socializing I prefer I don't love to socialize at the bar where I work because it's not my environment. I just do it for the reasons right now. I have to do it for, you know, the income and I have to do it for schedule wise. But these type of people over here, I love to communicate and socialize with them. So that's my little break. Mm-hmm. Um, if I am not able to go, like when I had this cough last week, last couple of weeks, I chose not to go knowing, you know, it probably put me in an asthma attack. <laughs> so despite knowing that I was just still so bent out of shape the rest of the week. I was so mad. (laughs) I was just so frustrated, but, um, that's, that's how I get it in now. And it's, it's going to continue, of course, also helping me maintain my strength for Abram, because like I mentioned, just so strong and he's going to continue. He's almost taller than me. I'm five, three, and he's going to be 13 years old and he's as tall as me. Um, so got to continue to maintain that strength to, you know, raise him and protect him and protect myself, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think that's awesome though, too. It's, it seems like your husband is super supportive and, you know, as long as your schedule is, like you said, it's kind of like passing ships in the night sometimes with your Mm -hmm. work schedules and stuff, but that he knows that you need that. That's the one thing that I, you know, I was very transparent as my husband was with me. We both need to get our run in or to lift or do something. Mm -hmm. Um, we were getting up at five in the morning together. Um, and he'd go run outside and I'd run on the treadmill or whatever, just because like you, my, my mood is awful. If I don't like get my workout in, in the morning or while Skyler's at school and get it done, I feel like I'm quicker to snap about things. And, um, my patience is definitely worse because I'm frustrated that I didn't get that me time that I needed. Um, I don't know, some may call it selfish, but I'm not a good mom without a little bit of something from, even if it's 10 minutes to myself, I'm a much better parent, I think. Yeah. I don't know how they they, whoever, you know, is, is saying it's selfish is even understanding that that makes sense because you have to take care of yourself to take care of other people. So, yeah. and you also have to enjoy your life. Of course, like you, it's okay to have 10 minutes, even an hour a day for yourself to just, again, make yourself feel good, mm-hmm. healthy, um, regulate all that stuff is so important. So yeah, definitely not selfish. So that's good that you guys can still do that. And, um, yeah you know, pass off and take turns who gets the inside run, who gets the outside run. <laughs> I'm sure your husband knows <laughs> if you missed a workout too, because I'm sure it's, you he can read it on your face, yeah. right? Like yeah. <laughs> a bad mood. Go, I go cross me definitely today. <laughs> am not very nice. Yeah. Not very nice. <laughs> yeah. I even highly encourage parents. If, if you get like five minutes, take an extra long shower. Cause some days won't even get to shower because it's just too busy and, or whatever. <laughs> yep. I throw a hat on and call it a day, but, um, that's even alone time. I mean, how many, how many of us can't even, you know, go to the bathroom alone without a kid, like walking in or whatever. (laughs) So whatever it takes to get that time. And, uh, I just think that Mm -hmm. it's important that you, you voice it to your spouse. If you have somebody at home helping Mm you, um, you guys voice that to each other because you don't know until you talk about it, what you need. And you don't want to take it out on each other when you're frustrated. No, 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 no. And that happens, but we gotta, we gotta just make sure everybody knows like, sorry, I'm so sorry I was mean, but this is why, um, (laughs) this is what I need. Uh, I love you. (laughs) Yep. Ask for what you need. Well, um, I, I really appreciate you being on and being so open and transparent about everything. Is there anything in the, you know, almost 13, 12 years, I guess, of, of, raising Abram and all the things that you guys have gone through and, and watched him grow over these years. Is there anything you've learned from him or about yourself um, as, as a mom or as a, you know, therapist or homeschooling teacher, <laughs> all of the labels that yeah. you have, is there anything you've I learned know. about yourself or from him? Um, one of the things, if I really, it's hard and I've noticed it lately that I don't, I'm not really as present sometimes because I'm doing so many things at once, like I'm cooking while I'm doing laundry, while I'm making sure he's getting some type of activity. Well, you know, it's always um, just so go, go, go. And I think that's taken the toll my body with some health issues that's come up. Um, And I think when he has the days where he just wants to veg and listen to music and just relax, it's, it's kind of guided me to slow down myself, um, which is important. Some days you just need those days where you kind of slow down and be more present um, and patient. 
you mentioned patience. I think all of us can, you know, benefit from being more patient. He's taught me that too, because, you know, with all the prompting and the repetitive, you know, this is what we need to do, whatever the task is that you're asking your child, um, at least with Abram, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be patient when you're just wanting so much for them to do whatever the task is that you know they can do and they're choosing not to that day or whatever the case is. Uh, he's definitely made me more patient and like I said, to slow down and be a little bit more present with my overworking 9,000 role days, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think all of our kids, um, teach us so many things. I've learned so much mm-hmm. from Skylar just about myself and what I can tolerate and <laughs> like what I should be better at. And, um, yeah. I just love their perspective on life. It just seems like he doesn't really know hatred. He doesn't really have a bad day. I mean, like his bad day might be like, man, I didn't want to eat that, but that's fine. I'll take it. But he doesn't, it's just every day is a great day. And there's one moment of his day where he's laughing every single day. There's at least one moment where he's tackling it, a song on the radio or something. And I'm like, gosh, if we could all just like relax and just like find one thing, find our joy every single day of something to be Mm -hmm. grateful for or happy about, it'd be a much better place. (laughs) 100%. Yes. (laughs) Our kids should be in charge. <laughs> That'd be they scary. Should. They should take over, take over children of the world because these adults, we are just stressing everybody out. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I really, again, appreciate your time. I know you had a, a late work night. So um, this means a lot to me that you were able to hop on here oh, with yeah. me. And um, when we find our location, wherever we're moving, I'll let you know. So you guys can... <laughs> We can, we can, yeah, we can be neighbors. Boys can be pals. We need to build a community. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Not the first time that's popped in my mind. I know, I know. It's been brought up a lot. We can take care of each other's kids and babysit for one another or whatever so we can get out. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Um, I'll be talking to you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Lori. Have a great day. You too. This episode is brought to you by Mia Via Toys, a brand dedicated to creating toys and learning aids for kids with autism, special needs, and other developmental challenges. Go to miaviatoys.com, that's M-E-A-V-I-A-T-O-Y-S, and use promo code SKYLIFE15, that's S-K-Y-L-I-F-E, to receive 15% off your first order. And for the month of April, a portion of their proceeds will go to the Bluegrass Center for Autism. So please check them out and help give back to the autism community. As a special bonus for the month of April, I've partnered with my friends at Mia Via Toys for a special giveaway to four lucky winners. Entering the contest is easy. All you have to do is follow the Instagram accounts of Mia Via Toys and also my Instagram, which is welcome to my life underscore Lori Hellman. To get additional entries into the contest, make sure you're subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. And also, if you leave a reading and review on either Apple iTunes or Audible, that guarantees you another entry. The four winners will be chosen April 25th. So get your chances in now and good luck.